Dad Poet Society. Trigger warning, mentions of suicide, addiction, and other sensitive topics. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, I mean, not to privilege our afternoon listeners, but as two unemployed girlies at the moment. True. We can just hang out and record whenever we want. We literally are those, like, unemployed friends. <laughs> Your unemployed <laughs> friends on a Tuesday. Filming a podcast episode about um, their dead father. I know. Well, soon... <laughs> that, this is what boredom does to you. So true. I'm soon to be back to my lifestyle of being the true unemployed friend, like, rocking <laughs> down a river <laughs> on a random Thursday at... 11 in the morning but we'll, we'll like we'll that will that will be exciting everyone follow me on instagram to keep <laughs> yeah. up with my unemployed antics um and i will be back to university being a boring student doing nothing other than sometimes going to class other than furthering your education and furthering, and wait yeah and furthering my education and and grandma and grandpa i am definitely learning a lot at college so don't take this to mean that i'm not learning anything anyway um so we're slaying. Um, we re- we released episode two this week, mm-hmm. which is nice. It was our first real episode. Um, I love when everyone has these pictures of themselves crying. Yeah, that's a fun one. I really yeah. enjoy um, making people sob. And... Yeah, I'm excited what people say on episode three because that's going to be... Also, we might have to get Harry in here because um, he, our dog is literally like the worst dog ever. He doesn't eat anything. True. And he's also really mean to our elderly dog who has dementia. And right now, yep, he's crying at the door. I think he has back problems. Hold on. All right, please pardon that brief interruption. Yeah, Harry's now sitting like in front of the microphone, <laughs> but he he's kind of struggling right now, so we're not going to move him. So sorry <laughs> if you heard any like various dog noises. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, fun releasing episode. Wait, we introduce ourselves. Oh my god, we're so stupid. I'm Anna. <laughs> and I'm Lily. And welcome to Dead, Dead Dad, Dad Poet Society. Um, Should we just cut that whole front, front bit out so we forgot <laughs> to do it? Okay, well... Well, that was not important. Yeah. Basically, it was just me discriminating against non-afternoon podcast listeners and explaining our dog's ailments, which I don't think anyone really cares about anyway. So true. Um, And I was just talking about how we're unemployed, which (laughs) is a fact. Um, So, yeah. um, Today is my last day at home before I leave for another four months of backpacking. And so instead of packing, which I'm not packed at all... We're recording this podcast. <laughs> Priority And then going out to dinner. <laughs> and then going out to dinner. Um, obviously, I have my priorities very well put together, but that's always been a thing. I'm just a procrastinator at heart. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's ADHD, and there's nothing you can do about it except for take copious amounts of stimulants. I could take my medication, but I didn't. Cause Why? Because I, I want to eat tonight. Couldn't you have taken short release? The short release makes me anxious. Oh my god, you are too much of a baby to have not the red white. Okay, so I'm gonna stop making fun of Anna for having um a also, disorder. Also, just to, to clarify, like I can eat like when I'm saying I want to eat tonight, it's like I, not that I don't eat on medication. It's just that food isn't as enjoyable she wants when to you're enjoy on, her meal when you're on ADHD medication most of the time. As I'm sure some of you guys know. So Carter and I were actually I talking about how like before we had like taken stimulants ourselves we kind of didn't really believe people like one of my best friends in high school was on Ritalin since like the fifth grade and like she couldn't eat anything all day and then she'd just like eat all of her food um at night and I was like okay it can't be that bad and then like I took 
a stimulant for the first time and I was like how do people survive like this takes the joy out of life because what is like what is joy if not just waiting for your next meal yeah that was when I lost a lot of weight that was a mixture of ADHD meds and depression and I didn't take them at all when I was traveling and I gained a lot of weight but I was a lot more happy so when I have to work again I'm really gonna have to be on them consistently but that's a problem for... You can just drink Soylent. Remember like the tech people like 10 years ago were talking about Soylent because it's like <laughs> has all of your nu- nutrients and like helps you be more productive because you can just like chug a gray liquid and not think about eating. Well, that's terrible and sad. Um, oh, Harry, okay. Um, but food is like one of my main joys in life, if not the main joy. Yeah. So my friend just got COVID and she lost her, tens- her- she lost her <gasps> sense my- of taste That is smell. my worst nightmare. We're going to Paris. <gasps> no, that's actually my worst nightmare. Yeah, so it sucks. Harry's. Some people think Paris is the city of love. I think it's the city of food and baguettes. So true. So, yeah, when I had COVID, I lost my t- sense of taste and smell. And I was like throwing up, passing out. But that was by far the worst thing. And I literally called my mom and I was like, I don't want to freak you out, but. I'm going to have to start having really bad thoughts if this lasts longer than a <laughs> yeah. day. Because food is the only thing that, like, when you're, like, not feeling great, food is literally the only thing that gives Carbs you joy. Carbs will always be there. And that's, like, that's a fact. Like, serotonin. Like, you get serotonin and dopamine from eating carbs. It's not just, like, some kind of – it's not just, like, us being, like, annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, also, <laughs> just, like, walking Harry's, around. Harry's specifically trying to walk right in front of the microphone. Like, that's his oh, job. Good boy. Yeah, and I mean, like, speaking of those Silicon Valley guys that like to drink things instead of eating, um, we're going to go to our Yahoo News Corner. And <laughs> and one of the things we're seeing is um, talking about the imminent fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, which I never thought that I'd be, like, rooting for Mark Zuckerberg in yeah. anything. And here I am being super pro-Mark Zuckerberg. The thing is, it's not imminent because... Because Elon, Elon Musk, Musk is a being pussy. a pussy. Yeah. It's so funny because I actually wanted it to happen because I do believe in my heart of hearts that Mark Zuckerberg, even though he's much shorter, would, like, kick his ass. Yeah, he, kind of, he looks like he works out. Yeah, apparently he's, like, really into, like, kickboxing. Well, a lot MMA. of those fitness guys are really into, like, extending their life yeah. um, expectancy. So I feel like working out would be a classic part of that. Yeah, and like Elon Musk, like we're not going to body shame, but he doesn't look like a guy who's as committed <laughs> to like fitness. fitness. Well, no, okay. For people who don't know, um, Mark Zuckerberg, well, did Elon Musk challenge Mark Zuckerberg to a yeah. fight? Or so, I mean, as someone who's like very chronically on Twitter, <laughs> um, I kind of know what happened. Basically, like Elon... Musk and Mark Zuckerberg kind of a beef, but it's really one-sided beef with Elon Musk always calling Mike Zuckerberg a cuck because he's like happily married to the mother of his children. <laughs> and Elon Musk is, per- is perpetually divorced. Um, and Mark Zuckerberg runs like a semi-successful, you know, tech company and Elon Musk. You, is, might, you might have heard of it. <laughs> is meta. Um, is floundering and stupid. Um, so you want about Mark Zuckerberg jesse eisenberg was sexy in that movie and also mark zuckerberg is definitely like what is he with straight women and like loving weird nerds like i need someone to i don't know but our but not to spoil our next yahoo news thing but you know red white world blue started off as a fanfic about 
Jesse Eisenberg oh, right. and um, Andrew Garfield from Red, White, and Royal Blue. So it really from does the it. social network. Well, yeah, from the social work network. Yeah. So it really does it for a lot of girls. But yeah. um, I do think Mark Zuckerberg, as much as I really dislike him as a person, he's definitely like intelligent. Um, you can I, say that. I don't believe. I don't his, believe Elon his Musk politics is. aren't like as heinous as Elon Musk's. They're he's very like a, neo-lib. He's just like a neo-lib, yeah. Like and he very much believes in like the metaverse. And yeah, which is scary. Li- which, which is scary. scary. Yeah. So you know, in twenty years, maybe we'll look back and be like, Mark Zuckerberg Harvard ruined our robots. So this might not age well. But um, I don't think lo- he's lo- yeah. as inherent. I don't think he's as inherently evil as Elon Musk, yeah. especially because. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has very bland liberal politics. He's like, we love diversity, rainbow, you know, robots. Um, <laughs> Elon Musk, like, is actively wants to eradicate trans people, including right. his own children. So right. he's bad. However, Elon Musk was basically like, I could take Mark Zuckerberg. We could fight. And then he just, like, tweeted at him. And he's like, let's do a cage match for charity. And Mark Zuckerberg was like, okay, sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, can, I can do this. I'm happy to do it. But since then, Elon Musk has been making all these assertions like it's going to happen on X, aka Twitter, and we're going to live stream it. And Mark Zuckerberg is like, we did not agree on that. We should probably do it on like a platform that's more stable and that can actually do fundraising. (laughs) And yeah, Mark Zuckerberg keeps kind of owning him. And Elon apparently has been like, oh, I might have some back problems. So maybe (laughs) I I can't do it. I need to talk to my doctor about all of these random health issues that I now seem to be having. Yeah. So there was like all of that stuff. And then Mark Zuckerberg has consistently just been like, whenever you want to do it I'm ready I'm happy to do it like I'm ready and Elon apparently has been texting Mark and like one-on-one and being like you know we should meet up in your I'm gonna be near you we should meet up in your backyard and have like a practice round <laughs> um and and Mark Zuckerberg's like no like I'll do it publicly when you want to do it but I think you should train with a professional instead of just practicing <laughs> with me which I think is hilarious and then Elon Musk tweeted today and he's like I just got out of three hours in the MRI, which that's not, MRIs don't take three hours. And he's like, my spinal cord is fine, but I do have a small problem with like my shoulder rubbing in a place. So I'm going to have to get like a surgery, but it should only take a couple months. And Mark, <laughs> really Zuckerberg, pushing this and Mark Zuckerberg just tweeted today and he was like, you know, I'm happy to do it whenever Elon's ready, but I think we should set this aside for now because I don't think it's going <laughs> to happen. So I think it's kind of hilarious. Also, unfortunately, Mark Zuckerberg went to Taylor Swift with his daughters and, like, did the lover heart around his eye. And it was kind of endearing. Again, I think he, like, (laughs) he sucks. I mean, the whole idea of Facebook was, like, rating girls. Right, right, right. He's a little incel-y. But, you know, he's a billionaire. However, I do think that he likes and loves his family, at least. (laughs) Which is something that Elon Musk cannot say for himself. I know, so... Well, his, his, Mark, or Elon Musk's idea of a family is impregnating as many women as possible. And then piecing out. I mean, according to Grimes, Elon Musk's main issue with trans people is that it will decrease fertility. Because <laughs> we really need what everyone's saying is we need more people right now. We need like, more people. We need more bitches up in. True. This I mean, earth. it is like a myth that no, yeah. overpopulation I'm not is a myth. I'm not like a. I'm not like an evolutionary psychologist. Yes. I don't believe in like. I'm just saying like. I don't think that's the issue. So true. I agree. Um, oh, wait. Also, side note. If you ever notice me or Anna talking really, really fast and then randomly slowing down, it's because the other one is like frantically gesturing <laughs> to slow down since apparently we still talk too fast, even though if y'all heard how we talk to each other, you would clutch your pearls. True. Because and Because we talk so fast. It was really funny. Like I was with one of my friends and she was listening to the podcast for the first time and she was like, I can tell you guys apart 
but it is true that you guys are talking so much slower than normal that you guys sound more similar. So she said she listens to it on 1.2 times speed or 1.5 times speed. She says that sounds more normal and then she can tell us apart better. That's actually really funny. Yeah. So. Um, Okay. Also follow up our second Yahoo news. True. Um, Most normal people probably don't even know what red, white, and royal blue is. Unfortunately, we are not those people. We are not those people. We, um, we have read that book. I have read that book and I have listened to it on audiobook because I'm actually so sick in the head. I'm going to be so real. I read it a while ago and I didn't even remember it that well. I think I was reading a lot of like other stuff at the time <laughs> that was also like kind of not the best written books in the world, but silly. And so I, it all kind of blurred together, but I went back and reread it after I watched the movie. Well, yeah, so the movie just came out on Amazon Prime. Um, And that's in the news because everyone in it is very sexy. And also I'm annoyed that the actor, one of the actors is 31, but that's, and they took out two of the cool characters, but that's neither here nor there. They did take out two of the cool characters. However, they aged them up for the movie. So they're supposed to be around 25. Oh, In the books, they're 21 and 23. And then they decided. But they put them in law school instead because I think that. I, I think it's a little bit weird. I think making a more explicit movie about college kids, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of respect the fact that Anyway, it's um, a sexy gay movie and as someone who loves sexy. sexy gay things, um, I'm super excited to watch it regardless. I do, one thing that I do, one qualm I do have is that the actor, okay, the premise of this movie slash book is literally um, a love story between the son of the president of the United States, fictional of course, since um, she's a woman, <laughs> and the prince of England. So super like realistic and poignant and really says a lot about society. Um, honestly, I feel like they did a pretty good job of capturing our generation, like at least the book, I feel like kind of felt like our generation, which was kind of interesting There's to supposed me. to be millennial Gen Z cuspers. Yeah. So um, makes sense. But... So Lily just lost her train of thought. I was like, no, okay. Well, I just I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I really think. Oh, what I was gonna say is that the guy who's playing um, the prince play was in a military propaganda movie last year. Oh yeah, Purple Hearts called Purple Hearts, which is British. Which I haven't watched it, but I did watch the trailer, and it's like seems to be about like a lib girl who like meets. Um, this military conservative man, and he gaslights her, and then they. He's a marine, and then they they have to get married for like. Healthcare purposes. Mm, that's a, and that should be that should be like an anti-American movie that you have to get married in order to but get healthcare. So yes, okay. he's been in a lot of really bad movies. However, I did watch Red, White, and Royal Blue uh, with my friend Maddie, who has also read the book. Um, and my main takeaway was, wow, <laughs> everyone <laughs> in that movie is extremely good looking. Yeah, especially the two leads. Like I, as a person, Lily, we've talked about this. Makes fun of me. Are you like blondes? No, <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say you say I'm asexual, which is true. I don't often look. Which at, is true. Well, I don't often look at celebrities, and I'm like, they're so attractive. Like that's never really happened to me before. I can be like, wow, aesthetically, wow. you're good looking. You're having a celebrity sexual awakening. Well, not. Re- I was just like Maddie and I were like the screen, and we were just like, wow, these are really probably the two most attractive <laughs> men in the entire world. Like they're just very, very classically good looking. They're gonna make so many straight girls so annoying. I know. Oh my god. There's already so much like fanfic about. Yeah, you know what we need? Blue, like more, more, more fetishization of gay men. And it's like it's already it's already a fanfic based off. It's already a book based off a fanfic, and it's of two a, straight actors. Awesome. Yeah. And two straight characters. Well, two allegedly straight actors. Yeah. Hashtag unlabeled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're not talking about the Harry Styles anyway, stuff today. Oh yeah. Um, 
we don't want to ruffle any feathers with yeah. our Harry Styles hot takes. Yeah, we have some Harry Styles stands, so we'll respect. We'll respect, and we understand that we'll never understand. Yeah, <laughs> um, I stand with you in solidarity. Yeah. Anyway, but I do. I thought that it was fun. I do not think it's going to win any Oscars. <laughs> I will say the chief of staff is also exceptionally hot. She's like extremely attractive. Okay. There's just a lot of hot people in this movie. Um, and my main takeaway was, yeah. Also, my other main <laughs> takeaway is this is a warning way too late because everyone who's going to watch it will have already watched it by now. However, this is not a family movie. I do not remember the book that well. So in my mind, I was like, it's like YA or it's adult. I don't really remember. It wasn't that sexual. I mean, I just reread it. It's like sexual enough. Like it, it talks about stuff in pretty, in, 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 it's not giving you like the super crazy details, but in pretty explicit terms. Okay. And the movie was a lot more than I thought it would be. There's just, there is some partial nudity and there are some more extended non-nude sex scenes that, you know, they, they, Maddie and I were sitting there and we were like, this is, this is going on. I, I, I really know what's happening and I, I really know what's happening. <laughs> you really, um, they're not leaving anything up to imagination. No, I, I was like, we were like, yeah, so <laughs> true. We know all of the, the mechanics of what's going on here. Yeah. And, and you, and very close ups on the face and, and oh, you see every, wow. you see every expression as everything <laughs> happens and you're like, wow, okay, slay. I mean, and, and gay rights and gay rights. And you know, people say like gay people deserve bad movies too. And so true. And that's true. Ugh, I need like a bad, actually. Yeah. I need like a bad lesbian rom-com. Yeah. Like, you know, you could say that gay people also deserve good movies. But, you could say that. <laughs> but I guess it's baby steps. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Especially if you're with a friend who makes commentary. It's mm. also really funny to watch if you're from DC because they make DC look so beautiful. Really? Like everything is like stunning, everything's glowing, their sunsets always. One, one person I will refuse to watch this movie with is Carter. Carter will not, my partner, like does not do well with, like, the cheesy stuff. Like, for me, you just kind of have to immerse yourself in it. Like, we tried True. to watch The Summer I Turned Pretty with Carter, and they were like, and it's like, yeah, if you, like, think about it critically, it's stupid, but, like, can you just shut your face and, like, enjoy the pretty people doing, like, stupid things? I know. So. It also is, it's Amazon, just like The Summer I Turned Pretty, so they also do have a good soundtrack. Ugh, Amazon always kills it with the soundtrack. I know. I'm sorry... Sorry, we love like, Amazon. No, we sound like we're like Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and and, um, and Jeff Bezos stands today. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Well, um, we are not. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Don't worry about that. Anyway, um, so what are we actually doing today? So this podcast <laughs> is called Dead Dad Poet Society, and we have yet to read a poem. So I'm sure you guys are all like just waiting in anticipation for the poem that you are, you know. So we're expected to read. We were thinking about doing the poems that my dad wrote for us on our burst, but they were kind of long, actually. So I also literally have no idea what he's talking about in those poems. Yeah, well, I honestly think we have to do like some more work on those before we, <laughs> we have to read them. This we one look out the we also haven't really gone through, so like we're going to miss, I'm sure, a bunch of like literary references, but <laughs> you just have to roll with us. At the end of the day, the thing is, neither Lily nor I are poem girlies. I have not taken a single literature class since high school. I took literature classes in college. I love reading, but I'm I'm definitely a novels girly. I yeah, also like too. nonfiction. I'm not a poetry girly. I love 
lyrics. Mm. I've been told that I literally talk in song lyrics. Like when you I'm do, ta- when I'm talking do. to people, it's I'm true. like, as Lucy Dacus says, yes, as jo- constantly, as, as James constantly. Taylor says. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I like like a poem to music. However, I am just not someone who sits there and reads a poem. I'm wondering, like, do people sit there and like they without a book of poetry and they just start like reading all of them? Yeah. I mean, and then you read it a few times. I think like Milk and Honey ruined it for our generation. Oh God! Um, But yeah, so we're gonna do this. (laughs) So we forgot to say this in our earlier episodes, but we are posting uh, pictures of all the texts that we're reading on Instagram, so that you can follow along. Because words are sometimes, sometimes it's just easier to we do mince words. Yeah, sometimes it's easier just to see it. And my dad was so precise with his wording. I think yeah. it's probably just like and he's great, especially with poems. Like it does matter, like the spacing and the lines and all that stuff. So. Yeah. So so I think we'll just like switch off. We'll read a stanza and then talk about it, kind yeah. of like we've done with other stuff. So this is a poem that my dad wrote for my mom in December of 2000, and it's titled "A Clean, Well Lighted Place Found." So yeah, this is like a year after I was born. Yeah. So <laughs> kind, of kind of reflecting on that. That's kind of the I, info. I guess I honestly haven't read this through yet, but once again, we will be doing a live react <laughs> and trying to figure out what he is referring to. And honestly, if you are a like I, we both read a lot. Mm-hmm. However, I, I really mostly read contemporary stuff though. I've read, I think, more of the classics, but I yeah. think that they're different classics than my dad has read. Well, he makes, our classics are books from, like, the 50s. <laughs> true. Well, I think he makes a lot of, like, he's really into these... Um, philosophers. Like Jack Carraway and, and Walker Percy, and then he's into the philosophers, and he's into, like, Shakespeare. I've read a lot of Shakespeare, but not all of Shakespeare. So I feel like we're definitely going to miss stuff. So oh my if God. you... Sorry. Are one of those people, and you notice stuff, please let us know on our Instagram comments or whatever. Yeah, please correct us. Also, sorry, I just had a memory of my dad had like Shakespeare's like entire collection of sonnets or something. Yeah, and I have it now. No, mind. and it was the but that picture terrified me. There was a picture of Shakespeare on the. It was actually the Shakespeare's complete works. Like it's all of his plays. How does that fit in a book? It's really small text. I've read some of them. It's in my room if you want to read. Oh my it. god, no! But I just remember his face freaked me out. I literally yeah, had nightmares scary. on his face. Anyway, yeah, he left that for me. <laughs> I like to, I like to go through it sometimes. So we kind of has it in these little four line stanzas. So we'll just switch off every little verse. Yeah. So he starts off. A knowing man once wrote of a clean place, well lighted and inviting. And offering respite in my imagination for those who'd lost their way. Okay, thanks, Google. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I had known that. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah, so I had known that a clean, well-lighted place yeah. was a short story. Um, I haven't read the short story, but it is a Hemingway short story, and my dad loved Hemingway, big Hemingway guy. So I'm just going to read the plot synopsis for the short story, just because it feels extremely relevant. And it's the premise of the poem. So it says, Wikipedia says, (laughs) um, Late at night, a deaf old man is the sole patron of a cafe. Nearby, two waiters, one young, the other older, talk about him. When the old man orders another brandy, the young waiter purposely overfills his glass. The waiters speculate about the old man's recent suicide attempt. The young waiter wants the patron to go home and complains that he never gets to bed before three o'clock, while the older waiter is more understanding of the old man's plight. Again, the old man asks for another brandy, but this time the young man tells him the cafe is closed. After he leaves, the waiters resume their discussion. 
The young waiter wants to hurry home to his wife. The older waiter is more thoughtful. He muses on youth and observes how he is now one of those who like to stay late in the cafe, likening himself to the old man. He mentions the importance to some people of having a clean, well-lighted place in which they can spend time. After the young waiter leaves, the older waiter reflects on the emptiness of his own life and returns to his home and his insomnia. Okay, this is embarrassing because I read this. <laughs> you read this for class? I read this in AP Lit. Okay, yeah. I hated my teacher, so I didn't really pay attention. Um, but yeah, it's honestly a really good short story. I like. I haven't read a lot of Hemingway, but I really like his short stories. I like his... I've only read his novels, actually. So I yeah. feel like there's a lot of literature I feel like I should read that my dad liked. Yeah. Um, and he left me a lot of books. I have so many books on my bookshelf that are from him, so... I want to go through those when I am home and have time. But I think this whole thing about um, feeling lonely and relying on and relying on the kindness of other people and, and strangers and other strangers to create family and to create community is was really important to my dad because after his parents died. Mm-hmm. And he had a rocky relationship with his brother. He had various friends' families take him in. Um, right, the yeah, Olsons. One of, his, one of his best friends in college. His parents became my dad's quasi-parents. And our quasi-grandparents. Yeah. Shout out to the Olsons. Um, and my mom's family really took my dad in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this short story being about an old man who is pretty much obviously an alcoholic and has had suicide attempts. (laughs) Probably felt some connections there. Having um, found a clean, well-lighted place is very poignant, I'm sure, for my dad. Yeah. Just something that you can probably really connect with. And that's going to be the metaphor for the following poem. So true. Um, He continues, I knew, sort of, the knowing man, and I knew, sort of, also, the seeker of respite. So troubled and distracted, so quieted by a small place with a view. So I think my dad is saying here that he's both the older waiter who knows what it's like and he identifies with both of them. Yeah. And he's the older man who seeks respite in the place, um, that he's been that person that people can come to and that he is both that person who is looking for that. Well, the person that people can come to and also the person who is making these observations of others and kind of sitting back and thinking about life and emptiness and loneliness and um, just empathizing and thinking about the world. My dad's always been a very contemplative person. True. Um, that's why he was so into like Buddhism and Quakerism, especially later in his life. Um, and I think that most of us at one point or another will be both of these people. If you um, think deeply and have felt this way. <laughs> yeah, but I think even if you don't realize it, like, we're all eventually, if we get the privilege of getting older, um, but even if, you know, not literally, we all feel loneliness, we all rely on the kindness of other people, um, and we all hopefully empathize and even, you know, pity some people sometimes, you know, whether they'd want us to or not. Who knows what this old man wanted from these waiters other than to drink brandy and sit by himself. Yeah. He just wanted a clean, Clean, well-lighted place. place. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then it goes on. Toward. Toward what? Solace? I'm not sure what the man in the story looked for. But I think, I guess, I know what it is. What I seek in this case. Dot, dot, dot. 
Um, I like the progression from I think to I guess to I know. Yeah. And I also like that the first word of every line in this poem is capitalized. And so where he chooses to cut off the lines is significant. Mm -hmm. And so looked for, he cuts off, I'm not sure what the man in the story, and then break, looked for. So looked is capitalized. Mm -hmm. And I think looking in this sense is the great search of life for meaning, for connection, connection, for some bigger meaning of it all that I think my dad very much thought of himself as a looker. Um, right, we don't really see like in the short story we don't really get the point of view of the the man sitting alone at all and I think that's like you know you kind of just have to I think a lot of people will probably um, kind of project their own feelings um, and emotions and desires on to this character you know and so he's saying I'm, I'm not sure what he looked for but this is what I'm looking for and this is what my like clean well-lighted place is yes so he continues I seek no I sought for most of my life you that is something honest true profound and well-lighted something yes decent and fine and beautiful and safe so in this it's capitalized you is capitalized profound is capitalized yes is capitalized Mm -hmm. and i think he's talking to my mom here and obviously obviously. there's some tragedy in it that they didn't end up right but i think even though like they didn't end up as romantic partners forever my mom really was um uh, a safe haven for him. Yeah, she was his clean, well-lighted place for his whole life, even if it wasn't a romantic connection. I don't think she ever stopped being something honest and true for him. Yeah. And I don't think she ever stopped being something profound for him. I think she showed him a kind of um, unconditional support that I think is extremely profound. I don't really know a lot of other people in this world who would do or has done what my mom has done for a lot of people, but specifically my dad. And I think she also gave him us, mm-hmm. which is probably like the most profound thing that profound thing that's ever happened to him. Probably said that. Yeah. In words. Um, and so, yes, I think my mom is honest, true, profound. I think she's decent and fine and beautiful. And I think she is safe. Mm-hmm. She she's makes, a cancer rising. She is a cancer rising. <laughs> she makes me feel so safe. I yeah. think she's such a comforting presence in so many people's lives. She's definitely the person that so many will call in an emergency. Oh, for sure. Um, and, he, you know, he's saying that he found his clean, well-lighted place and saying that he seeked it and juxtaposing the seek with the sought. He found it. Um, he's no longer searching. And, yeah. And then he goes on. Oh, and sadly, for a while, safe took on an altogether wrong meaning, as though safe, despite the fine crossing, could mean beneath us something base. And oh, I love that. Yeah. The first safe was in um, quotation marks. I, this, this is something that I think a lot of people struggle with, um, and it's something that I've struggled with, especially in romantic relationships, where, you know, we've all experienced, or a lot of us have experienced, uh, one of those exciting kind of whirlwind um super emotionally exhausting relationships and then when you experience a relationship that is not that that is companionship and safety 
whether it's even in the same relationship or if it's two different relationships, cue the way I loved you by Taylor Swift. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with like the media and music and, you know, we all kind of like think that a safe love isn't the best love and, you know, safe is kind of like seen as boring and, um, you know, not as exciting. But I think that's, you know, as you mature, you start to realize that the best loves are the safe ones and the ones that make you feel secure and um, the ones that don't make you doubt yourself. Yeah, and I think it's funny because Lily is the younger sister, but she talks with a lot of... She's very wise about this I'm topic. I'm very wise. Well, I talk... And this is... You know, I think my friends can probably get annoyed with me because I talk to them about relationships. Like, I'm a 98-year-old woman. Um, like, I'm your grandmother. But, you know, I've been in a relationship for, like, five years, and um, I think that, you know, this is the only real relationship I've ever had, but I think that we've gotten through a lot of phases since we met when I was, like, 16, and it certainly wasn't this, like, sweet, quiet companionship love at the beginning, and I think for a while I really struggled with feeling like, you know, we lost that excitement when really what we'd lost is the constant emotional dysregulation and I think, you know, so I when I talk about it, I know I sound kind of um, condescending, but it's it's only because I feel like I've I've really gone through the ringer <laughs> when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, and I Anna, um, <laughs> I I think I'm still at the stage of my life where I kind of like romanticize the screaming, fighting, kissing in the rain, two a.m., cursing your name so in love that I acted insane, and that's the way I loved you. In the <laughs> words of Taylor Swift lyrics, um, I think that I am someone. I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> um, I like excitement. I like, I like always having a new adventure, which is like why I like to travel. I like always meeting new people. I like always experiencing something new and different. So this is something I think about a lot for as I get older. I do want this safe, peaceful kind of love. I have to figure out how to be settled and happy in that Mm -hmm. um, and satisfied. But I think, you know, you can want that or even say that you have that and not have that. I think my dad was someone who, we're going to do another episode on this, so I don't really want to go into depth at all. But he was, as much as he can talk about... um, Finding that peace, I'm not sure he ever really had it. I think he was a perpetually dissatisfied person. And seeing and realizing that um, makes me even more crave the stability. But not even craving stability. It's craving, craving stability. I want to want that. Yeah, and I do. (laughs) Yeah, and Lily does. And I I love stability. And I mean, sorry, not to talk in more song lyrics, but (laughs) I think there's something really profound about Boy Genius have these two songs, Me and My Dog and Letter to an Old Poet. And uh, Letter to an Old Poet is kind of a sequel to Me and My Dog. And and Me and My Dog is kind of about a girl with this debilitating crush in a not great relationship. And she says, I want to be emaciated. I want to hear one song without thinking of you. And then in... We've all been there, girl. (laughs) So true. And then in, um, in Letter to an Old Poet which is kind of realizing that that relationship wasn't good, having gotten out of that. She says, I want to be happy. I want to walk into my room without looking for you. And I think uh, they've given interviews about that line. They talk about how they kind of have this theory that singing something can make it true. Putting art into the world can make it true. Maybe that's what my dad was trying to do. Yeah. 
And I think that's maybe yeah. what Dad was trying to do there. They talk about how they've written a lot of sad songs as a band and as individuals romanticizing suffering. And I think my dad did that too. And I and the and by saying in a song, I want to be happy, even if that's not always true, even if they do find crave suffering to that, be noble, uh, yeah. and even if they do crave um yeah, the romanticization of sadness and depression, there is something good about putting art into the world that states I want to be happy so even when you don't feel like that you are putting that out into the universe and manifestation if you will manifestation and it doesn't always work but I think that's a beautiful sentiment to yeah want to yeah want and here he's saying like oh when I was younger and more naive I thought this is what safety meant and you know I think of course I'm sure that as we all are my dad was a multifaceted being and I think that part of him was you know, very content and satisfied, at least for a little bit. Um, and I'm not just talking about um, in his marriage. I'm just talking about his life in general because mm-hmm. he was a perpetually and chronically unsatisfied person. True. Um, I don't think anything in the world could have made him feel truly content and at peace. Um, but I just, I, you know, I think he really like probably did feel this way and also there was probably another voice in the back of his head that was telling him that he needs excitement and novelty and he's getting older and he you know needs whatever he thought he needed um but I think that him saying this to my mom probably was a big step for him true he continues I regret that now as I now know that safe and beautiful known well together as they should be Combine equally to define us in our best hour. So safety and beauty as the winning combination. Yeah. And there's that whole idea of like the beauty of suffering and finding beauty and safety. Yeah. We don't often see beauty and safety together. Yeah. It's always beauty and suffering or beauty and pain or, yeah. you know. So I think that's a great pairing. Like Harry who's currently... <laughs> Having a little grooming moment. Um, he, <laughs> He's working on his beauty routine. He is beautiful and he is and he is safe. Like I think that, um, and he regrets. He regrets thinking about. You know, you can you can regret the past. I think you can also regret something as it's happening. And he isn't my dad now. He not isn't Harry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, Harry might be going through similar things. We don't really know yeah. what's going on in that head of his. He's been looking very morose lately. True. Um, but I think you know you can regret something even if you know you totally you haven't totally gotten rid of this feeling you can still regret feeling that way um I think he is you know like oh I and I now know this and I used to you know I think that he's definitely trying to speak a little bit of manifestation to the universe um I love how he capitalizes the first letter of together it takes on a lot of meaning safe and beautiful and also him and my mom um and just like two things coming together that you didn't think would work. True. <laughs> no one thought they would work. And they didn't. And they didn't. They, they and did for a while. their haters were proven correct. And yeah, the haters won, except for the fact that we exist. Yeah, so and screw you haters. And I do think haters. that we are weird, confusing combinations of our mother and father. And we do work, actually. <laughs> it's so, we really are, like, so contradictory as people. Do you think that's why I'm so baffling to so many people? It's because of, like, the mom and dad. Like... I think you are the weirdest combination of mom and dad possible. I think I'm also a weird combination of mom and dad, but, like, not to the extent that you are. Yeah, fair. I mean, I think that's just, like, a disorganized attachment style. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then he goes on that our hour being... All said, our hour alone. 
alone in this life, but together with what? What we've bred and perfected? No, rather what we've honed as our own. Not what you've bred. Yeah. Okay. Guess I wasn't. What the, you? What I guess wasn't the bred, perfect thing. They've bred and perfected. Oh, it's me. They bred and perfected me. But they've honed as their own. But I think you could also be what they've honed as their own. Or do, they, do you think that could be their love? True. I think it's maybe like all of it, like their entire life together. I was only one, so I'm not sure how honed I was at that point. <laughs> you were honed. You were super, super honed. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like their little family that they were, were getting to shape and their like independent relationship. Um, I think they did really, they, they made things their own. I think that they are... <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, uh. He's like, why are you talking about Greg? That's not my father. They can't. He's like, who is this? Wait, daddy didn't birth me? No, mommy and daddy love each other very much. They just were married to other people before. Yeah. He doesn't understand divorce. He doesn't. Yeah. Actually, this is funny because yesterday I was trying to, I was like, for some reason I was talking to my friends and I was like, do you think that um, animals, you know, the animals who um, mate for life? I was like, I wonder if they divorce. I couldn't think of another word other than divorce. Mm-hmm. So then one of my friends Googled like animal divorce. And there were actually a lot of articles on animal divorce. And most of it is like when the woman or sorry, the female animal doesn't feel like the male animal built a nest that was up to her liking, um, which I think is really um, relatable. And anyway, girl power. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that they are two very different people who created something totally different, no, never been seen before, totally new and... True. And probably should not be replicated. <laughs> we don't need more Anna and Lilies in the world. Yeah, we're suffering. We're like, yeah, making us was like like breeding pugs and other brassophilectic... <laughs> what is the word? Bra- bra- the dogs that can't breathe. That's like having children with another person who's also mentally ill, but in like such a different way than you. Um, I don't even mean for our sake though. I meant for like the good of society. Like there, oh, we don't right. need more of us. We don't need more of us because there's enough. There's enough. Yeah. Like we've, yeah, we, we, we're doing what we need to yeah, do. Yeah. We've, we filled the capacity. We need more like chill, go with the flow girls. Probably. We need more live, laugh, love. We need more boys. live, laugh, love for sure. But who will also vote, um, for the right people. True. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah. So he continues. Time indeed is an enemy. So let's halt and engage and deny and thereby defeat what it is, what stands in the way of our perfection, of our unique art. Okay, unique art. True, that's me. <laughs> Harry's like for some reason having like a literal like a breakdown. Little, a little breakdown. Um, I like how he says that in order to defeat something, you need to first engage yeah. and then deny and then you can defeat. Um. I guess in this case, the obstacles that stand in the way of their love and their life together. I mean, time is an enemy. It's yeah, true. It is an enemy, but it's also fake. It's also fake. Time isn't real. Time is my biggest enemy. It, but he says, it scares me. Yeah, but he says time is an enemy, so let's halt, but you can't. So I'm wondering, like, I guess you can pause in your own life, but that doesn't mean that time is slowing down for you. I know. So he was, he, was being very, he was being very optimistic in this poem. I know. In particular. It's like uncharacteristically optimistic. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a year after he had you. And I were going to try for another baby soon. Things were things were looking up at the time. Well, 9-11 hadn't happened yet. So that's you, so that's, true. That's when you were. That's when you were. Concerned. I'm a 9-11 baby. You are 9-11. I'm literally 9 I was born. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. Yes, you were. No, I was born like. Oh, yeah. I was born like eight months after 9-11. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, time's a freaking enemy, man. Yeah. Time scares me. That's what I like. The fact that by the time I'm getting home from my travels and really starting my life, I'm going to be like halfway to 25. You mean you'll be six months into 24? Yeah. Is is pretty... Well, you're really 24, 25th on the way to 25. Okay, well... <laughs> okay, fine. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, like halfway through my 24th year is about okay. to say it. Is, is pretty... Yeah, 24 crazy. is super, super old. Okay. You should be married and at home with the children at least seven by then. No, but I think it is like a thing where I feel like by the time you're going to your mid-20s, that's when you kind of start, like... Thinking about settling down. Settling down, at least, like, in a career path. <laughs> Get a job, <laughs> girl. Getting a job. I just yeah, think but had... also think about... Okay, dad's a terrible example because he was not successful, but he could have been successful if, he, like, he went from... He switched from being a corporate lawyer to doing nonprofits, yeah. like, I mean, it's also about what you want from your life. I... Yeah do want like a family and children and stuff and I want to do it not when I'm young but also not later like I'm an old bat well that's also another (laughs) thing is like I've been having I think after my dad died I started having a lot of anxiety about the death of my parents and the death of my loved ones but specifically like feeling like I don't have as much time as I thought I did because once my dad died although obviously that wasn't due to time it was more due to like extenuating circumstances um (laughs) Um, I think that that, that really forced me to, you know, be faced with the mortality of my loved ones. And I, you know, started really, um, fixating on the fact that, you know, my mom had me when she was like 35 and she's not going to be around forever, which is literally the most terrifying thought because my mom is like kind of my whole world in a way. Um, and the idea of raising children and them not being close with her and being close with my stepdad, um, literally makes me want to jump off a cliff. Um, yeah, I feel the same thing. And I also just statistically, it is easier to conceive at different ages. And I also statistically, well, you are the most breedable at age 19. And that is why it is normal for 45 year old men to only want to date 19 year olds. (laughs) Thank you. I'm already losing eggs. Um, <laughs> You're no. losing eggs by the time you turn like 11. Yeah, like. I know, I know, I know. But I think it's just that. It's also like, yeah, like parents aging. It's also the fact that it sounds nice that by the time you're an empty nester, you're still like very up and at them and at ages where you can like go do stuff. Obviously, everyone has kids when it's right for them. However, I probably, just, I do want kids and I want them probably when I'm younger. And so therefore... And by younger, I mean in my 30s. For me, having kids in your 30s is younger. Um, And so therefore, it's just something that I think about with time. Because, you know, once you have kids, your entire life changes. Everything's, nothing's the same. Your priorities are completely different. So, you know, when I'm halfway to 25, you know, that's the idea where I might be starting to think about kids in the next 10 years. And that's kind of like a crazy thing. You do feel like, okay, well, I only have this much time left before while I'm still... To meet your soulmate. Well, then I belong to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a mindset. I know like not everyone wants that and I don't want to sound like that's like the right way to do things. That's just kind of what I want for my life. Oh, this isn't um, a self-help podcast where we're telling young <laughs> career-driven and family-driven women how they should live out their 20s. So true. Um, so my advice is either be in a long-distance relationship all throughout college or... Um, 
or don't think about a job. Don't even make a LinkedIn actually until you're 25. And before that, just spend all the money you have traveling to different countries completely alone um, in very precarious situations. Yeah, so I think that, you know, that's about covers it. That's ideal. And and <laughs> that's and yeah, we're gonna like be writing a book. You actually guys should all be paying us. Like, By the way, like guys, coaches. I am like super, super happy in my relationship. I just think it's funny, like our lives at the like That's true. It is funny. It. All right. You keep scooching closer somehow and it's just you're getting worse. <laughs> I was meant to be in the limelight, Anna. I don't know what to tell you other than the fact that there is probably a magnet inside my brain that is drawn toward the closest microphone in the room. True. Okay. The whole body of the poem is kind of split into these two columns. So we just read through the first column and then we just got through the second column. And then the last little stanza is all... Is as follows. Is all together. at It's in the middle between them. Yeah, you guys can reference our Instagram because this makes no sense. Yeah, I'm trying to explain it. But yeah, honestly, just like go look at the poem. Um, So it says, and also in any way, there's this love, sometimes forgotten, too often hidden, sometimes lost, but always best remembered with a kiss. Okay, two things. One, that's so cheesy. I know, it's so cheesy. I hated that. Literally, ew. Thinking about my parents kissing weird children of divorce no so weird so true, so true. um second of all too often hidden hidden okay gay ally love that if this um, is a taylor's song this would be on like the game oh yeah this would be yeah third um i love also in any way and i don't know why but it's really just rolling off my tongue in a lovely way i feel like that's like a lot of our thoughts are also and anyways also in any way yeah. and also and anyway yeah. There's this. I just feel like that was, first of all, if this was like not a poem, that would be the most useless line of writing I in know. the history of the world. But it, it, it's just a vibe. Like that's how we think. So. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, okay, so also in any way, it's like also like and more, yeah. you know, it's adding on. And anyway is, but, you know, yeah. I feel like these are two very contradictory words, yeah. um, but they also somehow are together yeah which just really I don't know it makes it makes me it makes me happy and yeah. I don't really know why I agree I feel like there's a lot of also in any ways in life yeah like you're like this is related to that and because of this but also despite this also despite this and yeah. so I think I think it's a, a cool sentiment <laughs> sometimes I'm just like I don't know maybe because I don't have like a good eye for poetry but I'm like this should be public I know you know well, because I'll read poetry that is published. I'm like, this shit sucks. I know, it does suck. If Ruby Kapoor could be published. Oh my god, no. Bitches are... Sorry, I'm or being her crass, name but Ruby Kapoor, I think. Okay. It's so funny, though. I'll see people literally writing like, I loved him, but he did not love me. He loved her. And then that's like published and people are like, this is art. And I'm like, no. am I missing something here? Yeah. 100,000 likes on TikTok. I'm like, yeah, like I do probably sound like the most pretentious version of uh, my father's daughter. But like, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, again, because we aren't poets, this is like good poetry. But I don't know. Some poetry critics need to hop in our DMs and let us know. What so we're true. Missing. Yeah, if you study this shit, let us know because I don't, I don't really know that. Um, but yeah, so if we're talking about this as a whole, I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> he wrote a poem for my mother. That's like one big literary reference. When there's no fucking way she is, she read the short story. Well, if I did, who knows? Well, she didn't because he had to annotate it for her. This specific one? Yeah. Oh. But also like you read it in AP, like the 
I, I don't even know if they had APs back then. Well, yeah, but I feel like this is definitely one of his most famous short stories. I know, but he's not famous for his short stories. Yeah. So I really doubt my mom read this. If she did read it, I doubt that she remembered it. <laughs> and I just think it's funny that he was writing her love poems that are like literature based. So hard. Well, it's really funny not to like compare, um, but like the poems that Danny, our stepdad, writes for her every so year. True. Danny also writes her poems every year. Are so like sweet and like, not to, not, it sounds like I'm calling him an idiot, but it's like they're really like they're about, like they're, it's, they're usually reflections on the past year and it's like pretty like straightforward rhyme schemes and there's certainly no like obscure literary references and I just think it's so funny that my, both of my mom's husbands have written her poetry and they are like basically on opposite ends of the like pretentious spectrum. Danny writes them in his notes app and then reads them out loud for everyone. Yeah. It's like, in like look a, at our kids. We've done a really great job. After all this time, we still got it going on. Yeah, it's like yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's really cute. Um, and it's really sweet and very thoughtful. Um, but it's also, I think my mom probably likes those better, even though my dad <laughs> she knows what the hell he's saying. Every, like, hours obsessing over every, like, paragraph and how it's, like, formatted on the thing that he's written, like, Which typed out. Really um, and I just... Yeah, I think it's funny. And I also don't want to make it sound like my mom isn't well-read or that she's dumb. I think she's just similar to Lily. She reads a lot of contemporary fiction. And she loves to read and she's extremely intelligent. Such a prolific reader. Yeah, but she's not like necessarily like... She's not a literary critic. Well, yeah, she's not like an English major. She wasn't like a literature... Yeah. Like... Obsessed I mean, she was person. killing it at law school, but True. that was like about critical, you know, like yeah, and she's a communications major, so she's smart and like well read. But it's just different kinds of appreciating of and I think work. I think Dad definitely had a problem with this. I think when you you are in a romantic relationship, you tend to have to um, adjust the ways that you express your love mm -hmm. in a way that your partner receives love. And I don't really believe in love languages. I think those are, sec I think that's like kind of bullshit, but I, cause I think that, you know, most of us have all of them. Um, I don't think any of us are like, I never need a single word of affirmation. Um, but I do think that the way my dad showed his love was this like very intense, um, dedication to slaving over um, a piece of writing. True. And, that might not be, you know, that might just be kind of like, okay, well now I kind of just feel, now I kind of feel obligated to understand this. And I don't really, I know I feel that way about the poems that my dad's written for me because I'm not a poet. I, I, I'm not saying I'm not this. a poet. I'm just a woman. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. I'm not saying that to say that I don't appreciate it. I just think that sometimes my dad had trouble. Um, I think my dad had trouble understanding other people. Yeah. Honestly, I think he was a very complicated person to the point where he was very busy introspecting. And I think my dad always called me super introspective and I always thought that was such a good thing and such a compliment. Um, and I think being introspective is really important as is like, you know, self-awareness, which goes along with that. And I think that being too introspective can also lead to trouble in relationships and, you know, if it gets bad enough to narcissism. Yeah, I think my dad was an overthinker, but not necessarily about other people's <laughs> feelings. He very much lived in his own head, and I have that tendency too. And I am doing my best to be aware of it and not lean into it too much, because I don't think it's very pleasant for the people around me. I think Anna and I have definitely gotten into arguments, because Anna's just a very independent person, and she doesn't really feel like she needs... I think that for a lot of things, especially with her travels, she doesn't really need other people. 
So I think it's hard for her to remember that other people um, are thinking about her. <laughs> and well, I know people are thinking about me, but I don't really think about always what. Well, you're thinking about what's best for you. But you're also thinking about, I feel like you do think, spend a lot of time thinking about like your loved well, ones. and I spend a lot of time thinking about the people that I love. In like and, a, in a very like. Yeah. And I, and I'll send everyone like long letters and I'll write everyone songs and I'll, um, but it's like my dad, like I express it's my It's not love. really the day to day things. I think that's really, I think that's probably what you guys have. Yeah. I'm more, I'm more aloof. So I'm more, it's more, I think of like love and like, I do these kind of like grand gestures or like yeah. stuff like. I like to like pick people up from the airport and like right. stuff like that. Well, if we're thinking but, about it, if we're thinking about it, yeah, you're not as much of a, I mean, I guess picking up people from the airport, but on the day-to-day, you're not as much, I guess it's not acts of service, but it's like the, yeah, like the day-to-day. Well, the like, monotony of life. Yeah. I don't think of any of that as like interesting or romantic. And also like, I haven't lived with people like full time, like most of the time since I was in high school. So I think the idea of like cohabitating with people mm-hmm. is like you know you can ask my college roommates love them so much you guys were very independent. besties we were all very independent we all kind of like did our own thing i would be in my own world and i'd forget to do stuff all the time like wash my pot pasta pot and that and then i'm thing. i'm usually the person who just does it for other people because i'm stressed and neurotic yeah and then that leads to you know like very drastically which my mom is definitely like what yeah. my, i take after my mother very strongly um and, and all plan like a super elaborate birthday yeah. surprise <laughs> and like decorate their entire room and make it crazy and spend like hundreds of dollars. But I like won't think to like get the laundry from the dryer. Yeah. Like it's just different. I'm working on it. A lot of it's also ADHD. For sure. Because um, I wasn't medicated then. And so that's, and I'm not really medicated when I'm home that much. So that's the whole thing. But you know, we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, my dad has a lot of other poems that he, like, wrote for us specifically, and I like those, so I'd like to do those sometime, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, we probably should go through those before. Yeah. So we're not Wikipediaing on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, damn. That was, like, kind of embarrassing, but it's... Okay. I kind of wish that we had, like, the... Um, annotated version? Well, the annotated stuff that my dad yeah. did for my mom, but I, I, I don't... She, I doubt she knows where that is. They've been so. lost. Lost to history. But <gasps> now we just have this. That will be posted on our Instagram. So, yeah. Um, um, so, I hope you guys have a good week. Um, pretty soon, we're going to be recording Zoom episodes from one of Anna's oh various God, yeah. locations. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. So, I, I have to figure out that tech because I'm the tech girl. Yeah. Bear with us while <laughs> like, our, I should not be the tech our girl. tech girl figures out um, our girl tech. Yeah. <laughs> women in stem women in stem, STEM no, one who's, no one who's ever met me would ever be like yeah you're the woman in stem but in this relationship but i, I feel like you're chronic you said you you are a self-described chronically online person therefore you have had to navigate That's the okay stuff. It's, well i'm not stem. okay i'm also a copywriter first of all i'm also um, a graphic designer sorry <laughs> like once again what is the t in stem tech Exactly. Exactly. And you know what is tech? The internet. Being so, on Twitter is not a woman in STEM mate. Well, whatever. But as as our, as our as our editor and tech person and copywriter and graphic designer and poster. First of all, <laughs> copy, 
we, first of all, I posted on our story the other day. Second of all, I'm the one who went through all of dad's emails and all of his stuff. And I've been through, I looked through all the lunch notes. Lily's our stuff. archivist. I'm, a, I'm the archivist. Thank you. True. And Lily's soon to be our TikToker. Once Give me my flowers. Lily, you actually have to start posting TikToks. I'm a TikToker. I do dances and pranks. <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> start posting on the podcast page. Um, I, side note, I actually don't do dances, nor do I do pranks. That was just like a little joke for the, the girlies who get it. Okay. Um, well, someday she'll be posting on TikTok for the Someday. Pod. That's her job. Um, if anyone's like really good at TikTok, hit me up. Um, and with that. And with that, I will say, S-A-N-I, where we know is making ass, butterflies, making butterflies with you, making a real butterfly with you. For I-9-E-L, tic-tac-toe, hippopotamus. Bye. Bye.